Today, I come to you as a humble servant. I'm not here because I'm any better than anyone. I'm here to point you to the Word of God. Amen? And today, I guarantee you this, if you will open your heart, if you will open your heart, if you will come with the, 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 the understanding and the perspective that says, God, I just want to hear from you, I guarantee you God's word will speak to you today. Amen? Amen. All right, so today we are uh, diving into our series that we've been in over the last several weeks. We've been doing a series called House of Prayer, and what we've been looking at is the power of our prayers and how God calls us to pray, and today we're going to be ending this series. And I want to start off by simply asking you a question. Is there anyone here that you've ever felt like your prayer has been more like a fight? You ever felt like when you pray, it's almost like you got to fight to pray, right? Like it feels like it's an uphill battle, right? It feels like there's resistance, right? It feels like uh, something, someone is getting in the way. And like no matter how much you pray, there's always resistance coming against what you're praying for. Well, I've got good news for you. You are absolutely right. You are on the right track. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what are we talking about here? Let me tell you what we're talking about here. The good news is this. It's that prayer actually is a fight. And for some of us, the reason why we struggle is because we don't know how to engage in the fight. See, it's one thing to get in the ring. It's another thing to know what to do when you're in the ring, how to navigate. And so today I want to point your attention to the Word of God. I really believe that God's Word, notice what I said, God's Word, not me, God's Word will enlighten our understanding today. And that today we will be equipped with some tools, with some truth that we can apply to our daily lives that will lead us to pray powerfully and partner with God. Amen? How many of you ready for that? Amen. Amen. Listen, whether you're here or you're online, I, I, I guarantee you that if you will lean into God's word today with us, that God will speak to you. So today I want to talk to you on the subject, I declare war. I declare war. Now I want you to say that with me. Let, let, let's participate here. Let's work together. Say this with me. I, I declare war. 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 Now, let me just say this to you. If you really meant that, it sounded a little bit different. It sounded a little bit different. So let's try this again. Say this with me. I declare, I declare war. war. Uh, about three of you got it. Okay. It's, it's all right. It's all right. Anybody remember that card game growing up, I declare war? You know, when I was a kid, I swore that I was the champion at I Declare War. But let me tell you what I've learned since. I wasn't winning anything because it wasn't a war. And I'll tell you why I share that with you, because some of us, we think we're waging war through our prayers. Now, I want you to hear me with the right heart. This isn't a put down. But hey, if the shoe fits, please don't wear it any longer. Let's change it. Right? For some of us, we think we're waging war. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We're crying out. And because we're crying out, we believe that we're waging war. We're rebuking, we're spitting, we're snorting at the devil. We're calling all our prayer warriors. 
Because somehow if we get more people praying, God will hear a little bit better. I want you to hear where I'm coming from with this, right? We're laying hands on everything. We're naming and claiming it all. And look, that has its proper place, and there is nothing wrong with that. But here's why we're not winning. Because we're putting confidence in what we're doing. And we're not putting confidence in the one we're praying to. You see the difference? There's a big difference. There's a big difference. See, if you're going to fight and win by prayer, we have to learn how to fight through prayer. And so here's the first thing I want to kind of get you thinking about, that there is a war behind the scenes that many people live unaware of. There is actually a war. And we play a key role in it by how we pray. There was a time in Israel when it was in desolation. They were under the rule of an empire called Persia, under a king called Darius. The temple was destroyed. Eventually it got rebuilt, or some of it. People, the people were discouraged. Their hearts were far from God. And many of them were distant. Distant from one another, distant from God, distant from truth, distant from the promises of God. But there was a faithful Israelite servant, a man named Daniel. And this guy prayed about all matters. He prayed about the condition that the people were in. He, paid, he prayed about the circumstances. But Daniel prayed so powerfully because Daniel understood that where Israel was and what they were going through was not God's will. And so Daniel prayed according to the promise of God's mercy and his restoration for his people. We're going to look more at that in a second. And so uh, Daniel chapter 10, starting at verse 12, records God's answer that comes by way of an angel. Now, right before what we're going to read, the angel introduces uh, to Daniel this answer by saying to him, Daniel, you are loved. You are greatly loved by God. You are greatly favored by God. And I've come to bring you an answer. And I'm going to tell you why I wanted to point that out. Because you are greatly loved. You are favored by God. And that's important to understand if you are to ever receive answers to your prayers. You have to understand that God loves you. That he hears you. And that he does answer you. And so starting at verse 12 in Daniel 10, it says, Then he continued, the angel speaking, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God. Look at the heart attitude. Look at the motivation of Daniel as he's praying. He's praying about circumstances, but he's not praying just for the, for the, for the sake of getting results in his circumstances. He's humble before God. He's pursuing understanding more than he is solutions. That's powerful. you got to dig into that. And so it goes on to say, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Now I know what some of us are thinking right now. I know somebody online, at least one person, is thinking right now, you're saying to yourself, man, I wish God answered my prayers that way. 
that an angel showed up and brought me an answer directly from God. But I would submit to you that if that's what you're thinking, you're missing the point of this biblical record. See, what we're seeing here is what actually happens every time we pray. And I'm going to show you that in a second from Scripture. I'm not giving you my opinion. See, this is an account of what happens in the spiritual realm when we pray. And the first thing we see here is that prayer in the natural wages war in the supernatural. I'm going to say that again. Prayer in the natural wages war in the supernatural. It affects the spiritual realm. Now, you're going you're to see why that's important in a second. And so I want us to dig into the word, and I want us to see some things about waging war effectively through prayer. And the first thing that we learn here is that you and I, we must fight the right fight. Tell somebody, you got to fight the right fight. Tell somebody else, you got to fight the right fight. Listen, man, you got to know how to engage in battle through prayer. You've got to know how to win. And if you're going to know how to win, you've got to have, we have to have a perfect understanding of who actually is the opponent. Some of us are still launching insults at people. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to meddle in anybody's business. My bad. My bad. Listen, some of us are launching insults, accusations, pointing fingers directing attacks at people, and we fail to realize that it's not even people that we're, f- we're supposed to fight. Now, we should note that the scriptures declare that the angel who was delivering God's response to Daniel's prayer was detained by the prince of Persia. And then it goes on to allude to the same entity as the king of Persia. They're both one and the same in terms of the, the, the language used. They're speaking of the same thing. They're not speaking about a person. They're not speaking about Darius who was the king of Persia. It's speaking about the authority that was behind Darius whose authority he was using. Now, you got to get what I'm saying here. you got to get what I'm saying here. You're going to see what I mean in a second. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. I'm going to say that again. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Ladies, your husband is not your fight. Husbands, your wife is not your fight. People of God, your employer, the people that come against you, the people that speak against you is, are not your fight. The, 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 the political systems, that's not our fight. Now, I'm not saying don't get involved in those realms, but just understand that there is an authority behind each and every authority figure. Let me show you what I'm talking about in Scripture. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 says this. Finally, finally, in other words, this is the climax. This is the point that I'm trying to get to you, the Apostle Paul is saying by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. See, we're not standing against people. We're not fighting people. It goes on to say in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Watch this. Not against people. 
but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, if you just go back to Daniel chapter 10, here's what you're going to see. That we get insight into a battle that takes place in the spiritual realm while Daniel's praying. And please don't fool yourself to believe that there isn't a battle. We must be aware of this. And so watch what it goes on to say. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, watch this, to stand. So some interpret Ephesians 6 to mean that we are daily supposed to put an armor on. And so here's how we understand it, right? Because some of you, you've read this. It talks about the word of God being like a belt of truth. And so each and every one of some of us, here's, here's our mentality. We say, well, I got to put on the word of God today. I got to make sure I get my word in. I got to read my word. And we assume that that's what the scripture is talking about. We assume that what the scripture is saying here is that we're supposed to be telling ourselves, I am the righteousness of God. You should do that, by the way. You should affirm your faith. You should renew this mind. But you got to understand that that's not what the scripture's saying here. That's not what it's saying here. See, it's all good. But it's all good in its proper context. And when we don't understand the context, we've been conned. So let me point your attention to what the scripture is actually saying here. When the scripture states that we are to put on the armor of God, the Greek renders it to say this. Be endued with the power of your armor. In other words, you have the truth of God's word in your heart and upon your lips. The scripture says that. The scripture declares that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The scripture declares, right, that you are chosen of God, that you walk in peace with God because he established peace with all men. And so why is that important to understand? Because for some of us, we think that we have to put on peace. Now, you do have to choose it. But peace is yours. Whether we exercise it or not is a different story. So we are armed with all these things. So why then does the scripture point this out to us? Because this directly relates to overcoming through prayer. Notice that the scripture tells us that there is a war. And then it goes on to tell us that we are to be endued with the power of our armor. So that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, right? So it says that. But then it states, and after you have done all to stand. What does that mean? I'm so glad you asked that question. Because the Greek translates this way. After you have rendered yourself fit or achieved this thing. In other words, after you are already convinced, believe and know this to be true, that you are righteous, that you have the word of God, right? Some of you, 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 you equate having the word of God with knowing how to quote it like some people. No, 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 no. You're missing the point. See, this walk of Christianity is not about becoming a better person or a better Christian. 
it's really about us discovering the Christian that we already are because you already are everything in Christ Jesus. You already are. And God says in his word that he has placed his word in your heart and upon your lips. The scripture says that you have an anointing and you know all things. The scripture declares that in Christ, you have the wisdom of God. You have the mind of Christ. So you see, what, we're, what, what you're learning, what we're teaching, what you're gleaning from the word, all it is is a key that unlocks what's already behind the door. Right? That makes sense? So we've already achieved this thing. You are armed and dangerous. You are battle ready. So how come for some of us, we don't live that way? And I'm going to tell you where the answer is. Notice that the scripture says, after you have done all to stand, it then says, stand. In other words, there's a next step. And that next step, that word stand there means to sustain the force or authority of this thing. Why is that important? Let me tell you why. Because it shows us that we must go simply, we must go beyond simply standing in the knowledge of God's truth. You can know what the Bible says and not know its meaning. You can know what the Bible says and not know the power in the truth that it reveals. You can know what the Bible says and not know the truth. Right? And so, what does it mean to stand? Again, I'm glad you asked that question. Ephesians 6, 17, and 18 says this, going back to the armor of God. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Watch this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, listen closely, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So if we are to stand, we must understand that it entails sustaining the authority and the power of Christ that has been delegated to us through prayer. It gives us a full list of what we are armed with in Christ. But then it tells us how we sustain it. It's by prayer. It's by prayer. Listen, you can quote the Bible until you're blue in the face. But if your prayer life is minimal, so is your authority. Are you hearing me? Right? See, we are battle ready. We can overcome every vice of the enemy. But to do so, we must engage in the fight not with people, not with circumstances, not with things. It's by prayer. It's by prayer. It's not just words directed at God for a request. According to what we see here, we're supposed to pray with understanding from the word of God. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
right? It is the word of God. And then it says, pray in the spirit. And I'm going to touch on that in a second. It says, pray in the spirit. And then it says this. And then pray with all types of prayers. So you see, the prayer that is void of the word of God, that's void of understanding of the truth in God's word, is an empty prayer. It's a powerless prayer. Do you know that there, is, there are no beggars in the kingdom of God? There are no beggars in the kingdom of God. And here's what I'm saying by that. God has given us his word. And when you understand his word, you don't demand from God. No, we honor God. But when you know the word of God and you pray according to the word of God, there is power released. There is power released. There truly is power released. Let me show you that from Scripture. Psalm 103, verse 20 says this, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength. Watch this. Who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. So get what just happened here, what we just heard here. The Scripture reveals that God's angels respond. They act when they hear the word. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. They respond to his word. Now, it's not just speaking his word. It's the confession of his word with belief. Faith speaks, the scripture says. And so when you pray with full understanding of the word, and you begin to declare what the word says to the situation instead of declaring it to God, there his angels act upon the word. There. Now, listen, this will change your entire prayer life. This should excite you about prayer. Because now you stop looking at people and we stop fretting about situations. Somebody say with me, I ain't worrying about it. Some of you felt uncomfortable saying that because that's not proper English. It's all right. It's okay. We can be free in the kingdom. It's all right. It's all right. So, but I want to also point your attention to to this, and I don't have much time to teach on this because there's so much I want to get to here. I want you to consider this, that the scripture says that we are to pray, to take the word of God, right, which is the sword of the, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then it tells us that we're to pray in the spirit. We're to pray in the spirit. And I want you to understand, because I know some of us, we get freaked out about praying in tongues, right? We get freaked out about that. Listen, it's in the word. It is a gift. It is yours, right? It is yours to use and to employ and to deploy, right? And it is something that the enemy cannot understand. Let me show you what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14.2. It says, for anyone who speaks in the tongue does not speak to people but to God. Watch this. Indeed, no one understands them. Why? Because it's you and God. Only God hears that. Only God understands that. Watch this. And they utter mysteries by the Spirit. 
when you pray in tongues, when you pray in your heavenly language, and for some of us you may go, well, I've, I've never experienced that. Well, you know, we need to talk about that. We need to talk about that. Come talk to us about that. If that's your desire, then so be it. Why? Because there's no better battle strategy against an enemy than the one that he cannot understand. You want to really go to war? Yes, pray the word of God, but also pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit because it's you and God. It is so intimate and he can't understand what you and God are discussing. It's a mystery to him, but watch this. It's not a mystery for you. I'm going to tell you why. While you may not understand what you're saying, here's what you do understand. You win. You win. So we should also pray in the spirit. Look, when, when prayers are decreed with understanding from God's word and when we pray according to the spirit, the JIV puts it this way. Jose's International Version puts it this way. It's on like Donkey Kong. It is on. It is game on. The second point I want to leave you with is this, is that to pray with authority, listen closely, you must first live under authority. If you're going to pray with authority, you have to live under authority. What do I mean by that? Let me give you an example from the scriptures. Matthew 17, starting at verse 14, it says, When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Listen to Jesus' response. You unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I stay with you? You know what he's saying there? He's saying, how long shall I continue to do this for you? Why do I have to keep doing this for you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Now get this. This isn't talking about them having small faith. It's talking about the measure of faith that they used. In other words, you have the ability to do what I did. You're just not using it. Right? So Jesus goes on to say, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. I'm going to say that again. It will move. I'm going to say it one more time. It will move. It will move. It will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so, why do I share this with you? Because if we do not believe in the authority that Jesus has, and we do not believe that we are authorized to do the same, guess what? You can't even begin to operate in it. We can't even operate in it. Let me take this a step further. Jesus identifies the inability of these people, of his disciples and of this man. He identifies the inability behind their 
uh, be, behind um, what was stopping them from walking in authority. He says this, you unbelieving and perverse generation. What he's saying there is this, you are a people that turn aside from the right path. You oppose, you corrupt my ways is what he's saying. And so some of us might say, oh, but I do believe in Jesus. Praise God. That's a great confession. But the litmus test for belief in Jesus is if we are giving him authority in every area of our lives. So get how this relates to prayer. You can't be living like a devil and expecting God to be able to operate in that mist. Can't do that. Can't do that. It won't work. No wonder our prayers don't work. Now, I'm not saying your prayers, right? I pray that that's not the circumstance you're in. But we cannot violate the word of God and expect the word of God to work when we pray. We have to live lives submitted to the authority of Christ. For some of us, we, we, we view Christianity this way. Jesus, I love you, but you follow me. We pray and we, we want to direct Jesus, we want to direct God towards what we want, what we desire, how we see things, and we completely dismiss the word of God. Guess what? You're not living under authority. That's like a baker showing up and trying to exert his power like a, like a police officer. He has no authority and he has no law backing him. Get this. If we are not living under the authority of God, if we are not doing it God's way, if we are corrupting this walk, this faith, then guess what? Jesus is there, but you tied his hands. See, Daniel was a man who lived fully submitted to God. Fully submitted. If you, if you, and I would encourage you, go study the life of Daniel. Daniel was a devout man. Daniel was a man that prayed multiple times during the day. Daniel was a man who was uncompromising in his faith. Daniel was a man who walked a fine line. Daniel was a man that understood it's black and white. I'm either doing this or I am not. There is no gray area. There's no easy path to this. Good news for you. This is great news. You ready for this? The walk of Christianity is the hardest thing that any human being can do. Let me tell you why. Because it goes against your desires and your will. But the moment you walk this walk, this is not for weak people. And I'm not saying anybody's weak. What I'm saying to you is this. If you are still walking this path or you're taking this path today from this day forward, I am telling you that you are stronger than you think and there's more in store for you than you know. Amen? I want to leave you with one last point here. And it's this, it's that you must bind before you loose. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? Let me, let me break that down real simple. 
Matthew 16, Jesus is with the disciples. And uh, he has this moment where he says to the disciples, who do you say that I am? And they begin to answer, well, you know, some say that you're the, you know, you're, 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 you're the prophet, you're John reincarnated. Others say that you're Elijah, the prophet. And then he goes on and he says, no, 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 but who do you say that I am? And Peter responds and he goes, you are the Christ. Here's what he's saying. You are the anointed one of God. You are the chosen one. You are the sent one, the savior of the world. And the Bible says that Peter, that Jesus says to Peter, blessed are you, Peter, son of Simon, because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. In other words, you got a revelation directly from God. And then he goes on to say this to him. He says to him, and upon this rock, not Peter, upon this revelation that is firm in your heart, Peter, I shall build my church. And he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail on it. Against it. Then he goes on to say, and, and all authority has been given to me. And then he makes this statement. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, you shall be loosed in heaven. Simply put, it's, it's teaching us that there is a real authority that is given to the believer. And that when we as believers walk in that authority... And we understand how it works. Heaven backs you. Heaven backs you. Now, I'm going to tell you how that relates to prayer. I'll tell you how that relates to prayer. For some of us, binding and loosing is what I refer to as spitting and snorting. I'll tell you what I mean. I bind that thought in Jesus' name. I bind that sickness in Jesus' name. I bind that problem in Jesus' name. I bind that, that, that employer in Jesus' name. I bind this person coming against me in Jesus' name. And you are binding the wrong thing. I'm going to take you to Scripture. I'm going to take you to Scripture. I'm going to take you to Scripture. The word binding means to fasten with chains. It means to put in bonds. It means to tie a thing down. So here you are trying to bind to tie down a person. Tie down a situation. But you're not dealing with the one operating behind it. Let me show you in scripture. Luke eleven twenty one through 22, Jesus says this. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. Watch this. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which that man trusted, and he divides up his plunder. I don't have time to really dig into the context for this. I'll just simply say this. If you read the preceding verses to this, you'll find that they were bringing into question who Jesus was, and they accused him of operating according to the power of a demon that they referred to as Belial. And what Jesus is asserting here is, no, 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 no. I don't operate according to that authority. I have greater authority than that one. I've bound that one, right? So most people attempt to bind the enemy by simply saying, I bind you to a thing, to a circumstance. But that's not how it works. Jesus says, I'm going to say that again. Jesus said that someone stronger must attack and overpower the strong man. Now I just heard somebody think this. That's not me. 
Hmm. But you see, your strength is not in your will to overcome the enemy. Listen closely to what I'm saying. It's in knowing how to disarm him. Notice that according to the words of Jesus, the strong man becomes overcome and he's stripped of his weaponry. And you can do that through prayer. So before you go binding the enemy, you must bind up the lies by which he attacks you that you've allowed to work within your heart. So you see, when you say, I bind that thought, you bound nothing. You bound nothing. I'll prove it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting at verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. People fight people. Christians fight principalities. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, our weapons, it's referring to, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish, watch this, arguments and every pretension, every lie that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive, we arrest every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what are we seeing here? How do you overcome? You take captive the liar by stripping the lie. Listen closely. When you engage and you pray with power and you pray with authority, here's the, here's the weapon you're using. You are using truth to tear down lies and replace those lies with the truth. When you do that, that lie can no longer operate in your heart and in your mind. And guess what? The enemy may come, but he can't do anything about it. The scheme, the plot, the deception has been rendered powerless. See, you must take captive the lies that exalt themselves in your mind. That's how we destroy and we dominate the work of the devil in prayer. Now, let me just quickly close up with this. Because remember, I said you must bind before you loose. The word loose there means to destroy, to dissolve, to break up, and to unloose. Some of us, we try to loose, but we never bind. We never deal with the principality, with the authority. And so in Matthew 4, uh, and, and we're not going to read it, the scripture records Jesus cutting down the enemy by addressing the lies and loosing the power of the kingdom. And so you might remember, maybe you don't, but here's what happens. Satan shows up. Jesus is about to start his ministry. He's been fasting for 40 days. The enemy shows up, and he says to him, hey, man, why don't you take those stones there and turn them into some bread? Now, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. And the scripture says that Jesus responded to him. Watch how he responded to him. He responded to him by declaring the word. He says, man shall not, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know what Jesus did in that moment? He asserted the power and the truth of God's word. In other words, that's a lie. 
I don't depend on bread. That may supply temporarily for my body, but my dependence is upon the Word of God. Strip the enemy. Strip the enemy. Satan says to him, hey, Jesus, why don't you throw yourself from this high point? Because after all, the Bible does say that he will give his angels charge over you to lift you up lest you dash your foot upon a stone. So now he's trying to use the word. And Jesus again strips the enemy. He says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You know what Jesus was doing? He was literally affirming, you have no right to test me, Satan. You know why you have no right to test me? Because I am God. Now watch this. According to the scripture, you bear the likeness and the image of God. Don't you know that the enemy has no right to test you? You know why we get tested sometimes? Because we don't know the truth. We don't understand the authority we have. And lastly, the Bible says that Satan shows Jesus all the magnificence of the world. And he says, all this I'll give to you if you just bow down before me. Watch this. Jesus again strips him. He says, get away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now watch this. He asserted his right as God. He asserted his dependence upon God, and then he asserts his identity. Let me tell you why that's important. Because when you understand who you are in Christ, and you begin to pray according to the word, and you begin to address matters from the right standpoint, when you begin to deal in the spiritual, when you pray with those eyes wide open, the enemy has to back up because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you know what that means? Greater are you. Greater are you. Amen. Let's stand here today. Father, we come to you today in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. I want to do something. I want to be very honest with you guys. Because we're changing things here, church, at the bridge. There's a lot changing. You'll see more. There's a lot changing. But what I want to say to you is this. There's nothing more powerful than a body of believers when they pray together. Not because we pray louder and God hears us more. And I'm going to be very honest with you. You know that for quite some time, last few years, we've been trying to purchase a facility. We've been trying to step out of this facility. You have no idea the issues we go through with this facility. The leak that we just dealt with this, this week and, and everything, it just threw everything into a frenzy. The issues that we face. It's a great building, but you know what? We've outgrown it. We've outgrown it. We need more space. We need more opportunity to reach the community. Some of you are thinking, I'm going to ask you for an offering. I'm not asking for an offering. We're not doing that. I'm going to tell you what I'm saying. There has been a resistance a block, there's something that just keeps standing in the way 
of the opportunity and the territory that God has given us. I believe with all my heart that God has given us 31,398 people, that this city is our city. That these people are our people. That we are the game changers in this region. Not just in this city, in this region. I believe that with all my heart. And I'm not saying that like we're better than anybody else. No, I didn't say that. We just believe what God's word says. That he has given us cities that we did not build. That he's given us vineyards to glean from, to draw from that we did not plant. That he has given us property, territory that we did not establish. And that wherever we go, Satan has to flee. Because the gates of hell cannot prevail. So with that confidence, I want to do something together. I want us to pray with authority and the right understanding that we have from the word. And we are going to declare what God's word says about what he's called us to do here at Church of the Bridge. We're going to pray for this community. We're going to pray for the door to open. We're going to pray for understanding and insight to where that is because we have to leave here. We can't stay here. We cannot. I'm telling you, we can't. We can't. It is not honorable to subject you to the limitations that this building provides for us. There's more room in God's kingdom. There's more to do in this kingdom. And so would you join with us? You pray right there, whatever God places on your heart. But Lord, we are coming to you in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. As your children, we are authorized, Lord. You have given us authority. And Lord, according to your word, and because you declare that we are authorized, Father, we speak to this city and we say that you are healed. We speak to families. We say that you are restored. We speak to crime and those committing crime that you leave, that you are saved, that your eyes are open, that there is peace reigning in the city. We speak and we declare according to God's word that we are the light of the world, that we are the salt of the earth, and that we bring the change that God wants to release here. We tell you, Satan, in the mighty name of Jesus, you must flee because this is kingdom territory and we are authorized as God's kingdom people. And so we take authority. And whatever's been standing in the way and stopping the opportunity for us to step into that next facility. We speak to you in Jesus' name, whatever principality, whatever power, whatever authority that tries to block us, you must move in Jesus' name because God has called us to expand our territory. God has called us to take kingdom territory and to bring lives to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We speak that, we declare that, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I also pray over your people, Lord. They are free people. They are strong people. They are people full of the word. They are people full of the spirit. They are people full of authority. And I pray, Lord, that you would enlighten the minds and the hearts of these, your people. That they would know who they are in Christ. That they would know the power of God towards them. That they would know the inheritance that you've laid up for them, Lord. And that they would walk in it in authority. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. If there's anyone here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you recognize that you need Christ, you recognize that while you thought you were strong, you've really been weak. 
the authority that you've been trying to exert is yours and it hasn't led you anywhere. My friend, I submit to you, you need Christ. You've been deceived, you've been lied to. And here's what you need to know if you've been deceived and lied to and you recognize that today. That God loves you so much, independent of what you do and where you've been and what you struggle with. He loves you so much that he paid the price for sin. Not your behavior, who you and I were before we were ever born. We are born as sinners. But God made a difference. He changed the game. How? Because he paid the price for that sin so that you no longer owe God anything. You are free of that sin from this day forward. It's why he died and he rose again so that you could die to that and you could rise too. If you believe that with us, then pray this with us as we close. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again to pay the price for my sin. Today I declare with all confidence that you are my Lord that you are my Savior, that you are my God. And from this day forward, I walk in authority. I am a winner. I have a new life. And I expect great things. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.